0: Greetings,
1: it's meeting time,
0: and welcome
1: to all those that are joining us today. These past few weeks, we've been unwrapping spiritual gifts we receive when Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and we follow his teaching of recovery and healing by applying spiritual principles known as the 12 Steps to Recovery. Well... We're going to put that on hold because today we're being gifted with a special guest. His name is Joe Carney. Joe has been my Christian brother for years, and he has a powerful testimony. Joe's been rescued from the darkness of addiction to being a powerful soldier of God's army by following the marching orders of the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Joe, welcome. Hi, Terry. Nice to be with you today. You were with us a couple years ago. Yeah. And and I told you I was going to have you back. Yeah, you did. And back you are. Joe, there's someone listening today that hadn't heard your testimony. And they're in their darkness of addiction, and they need help. So we're limited for time. Why don't you just start from the beginning and give someone a hope shot? Sure.
2: Uh yeah, I um, I grew up in the east end of Pittsburgh in a little uh, neighborhood called Garfield. Um, I'm the youngest of three children, Irish Catholic. Uh, I, I had a um, uh, somewhat tumultuous, I guess, upbringing, but I think a lot of people did in my neighborhood. I don't um, blame my parents for my addiction or alcoholism. I don't blame uh my uh religious affiliation for my lack of of faith at the time or uh you know it it was it was all on me. Um I grew up like I said uh Irish Catholic. I did uh 12 years of Catholic education and the brothers did the best they could, you know, and the sisters did the best they could, but I had other plans. Uh, as they say, um, self will run Wyatt, I think, was pretty much my mo for a long time. Uh, the people that I grew up with and I ran with, um, were a lot like me. We, uh, we find our, our way uh, through alcohol and drugs, that's how we grew up at an early age. And uh, the other day, I was watching a, a news story in my neighborhood about a police standoff, and I saw I saw my uh, my house and, uh, <laughs> and there was a, a laundry at one time up on the corner behind my house and I could remember I knew the guys that worked there and when they get their first break in the evening shift, we'd get them to run up the state store and get us our booze and we'd party and drink and get high with them and that's how I first uh, got into uh, alcohol and drugs. How old were you, Joe, when this started? 14, 13, 14. And uh, they were uh, considerably older, but uh, we got along just fine. And I think that's probably why we all were at the same uh, emotional, mental level, you know. Cause, no doubt. Yeah, at that alcohol and drugs had done to us and uh, kept me at that for years and years. Uh, but I had I'd first gotten uh, clean and sober. In the early 80s. And uh, it was a case where I had uh, had a series of events where I, I ended up in several hospitals and, and uh, institutions and rehabs. And I finally decided that I would give it a shot. And when I say give it a shot, I went in the doors, but I think I didn't stick after a few years of sobriety because I wasn't willing to do the suggested steps that they ask me to do.
1: We're gonna be talking about the steps, but uh, I I want you to address that. You went into the doors, but it was all physical, not mental or emotional, am I right? Yeah, it was more like a
2: social thing. You know, I went in and, and uh I did look for people that that were similar to me in in background and, and uh at the time there was a lot more um addicts in in Alcoholics Anonymous because NA wasn't as prevalent. So uh, I looked for those guys that had clean time and sobriety, and I hung with them. Um, Now, hanging with them only goes so far if you're not in the program. If you're just showing up and being sociable, that's one thing. But if you're not working the program or not serious about it, you're not going to stay and for me, that was pretty much my M.O. I you, didn't, get, you didn't stay? No, nah, no. Nah. Because I, again, you know, it wasn't God's will. It was my will. I was half-stepping, you know. I didn't, I didn't uh, surrender myself. I didn't come to believe yet in anything but me and my power without a drink or a drug. And I know now that my power without a drink or a drug is just as bad as my power with a drink or a drug. Because you can have some time clean and sober and still be pretty screwed up in your thinking.
1: Yeah, we have a saying, right? You can be clean and sober, but still living dirty. Right, right, right. And I heard you say
2: that one time at a meeting, and that stuck with me too. Yeah, there was a lot of people in the rooms, I think, at the time that were uh, in and out, and uh, that hit home with me. So, yeah, so I think for me, it, you know, I had to go through these periods of relapse uh, before I could finally uh, put myself in a situation where I lost everything and, and was willing, willing to look at that third step. And uh, that, I think that was, for me, the the big change when I finally did that and and came in. And I started out, I had nothing, and um, but God put people on my path. Uh, sponsors, people. I I had a guy that I hadn't seen in 30 years. Um, I had nothing. I had nothing. I was in an apartment. Uh, I had no furniture. Um, I had a guy that I hadn't seen in 30 years, was retiring from the welfare department. I walked in to apply for welfare, and he was there, and he said, I don't believe us." He goes, if you'd have came next week, I'd have been gone. And he signed me up, and he helped me out, and he gave me cash, and he gave me food, and he got me started. I was actually able then to call some people like my sponsor and get get some help getting things turned on. So it was just, you know,
1: miracles like that. You know, I I have to ask you this. Um, There's people listening that they're praying for healing, and when they don't receive this healing, they feel that they're worthless. That God's abandoned them, but you just address something so very important. God works through people, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean
2: that was that was my uh, experience, and I continued to to trust in in God and continued to pray to Him daily and to put um, my life. And uh, my will into his hands and prayed other people that that I loved that I had no more control over than I ever did. And now I knew that and I could pray them into his hands Amen. and and trust that he would uh, give them what they needed and get them to where they needed to be. And he continued to put uh, people in my life and continued... Uh, to build my my sponsor at that time was a strong person of faith and and uh he really helped uh connect me um with people that uh were also of faith. I got a gentleman who uh who was real active in um the county jail and uh he would meet me down at the county jail on Sundays and take me to church. Amen. I get there I get there at County Jail. He'd finish up at County Jail with Sunday service, and then we go to a church, and I've been at that church since 2007. What What's the name of the church, and where is it? Uh, it's Bridge City in Brighton Heights. Um, uh, it's a really good non-denominational uh, uh, church. Uh, it's uh, headed by Pastor Gary Paladin. And, uh, what impressed me about him was when I first came there, he said, don't put your trust in me. I'll let you down. Put your faith in Christ. And, um, that really stuck with me because I got to tell you, I was one person and we would laugh about it that really, uh, had problems with trust. I mean, it came back time and again, you know, I, like I said, I've been in some institutions and jails and they test the heck out of you and testing results came back and said that you don't trust. You know, and, uh, and I told him, I said, well, it said in John 2 at the end that Christ, uh, he didn't trust in man because he knew what was in man. And he said, yeah, but he didn't forsake them. Hey He came back to them. Sure, he knew. You know, he said, you can't use that for a reason not to trust people. You know, and it was things like this that endeared me to, to him and that kept me coming back. You know, that we could talk like that and he could um, clear some things up that
1: was in my own mind scripturally. So, you're um, speaking of institutions and you were in jail. Correct. But now you've been in recovery and healing for how many years now?
2: Well, if I make it to September 26th, Amen. a day at a time, without a drink or a drug, it'll be 19 years. Amen. Hallelujah. And that would have never happened. It
1: never would have happened outside of a life-changing God. Joe, we're running out of time. I want you to come back next week, if you will, because there's more to your story, and we want to talk about these 12 steps. Sure. But take the last minute or so. Someone out there is isolating. Someone out there is not trusting. Someone out there feels that God has abandoned them. What do you want to tell them? I
2: find a lot of times that it's not God who's abandoned us, you know. Um, we think he's abandoned us. Uh, with whatever kind of faith that we thought we had growing up or what we had thought we knew, uh, came to believe that a God could not love us, could not be there for us because of the life we led. And that's the lie. God has always been there. Looking back, I could have never have put together a life that I have today outside of God.
1: There's no way. Amen. Well, we need you to come back next week so that we can continue hearing the life you lead today. Would you come back? Sure. Folks, tell your friends, tell your loved ones that Joe Carney will be back, and he's going to address the spiritual principles that we talk about so that we can live the life that Christ wants us to live, the life that Joe is living today. And I I can attest to that because, again, he's my Christian brother. And Joe, I love you because you don't just talk the talk. I've seen you walk the walk. Amen? Amen. So walk back here next week, Joe. Okay. Amen